Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Now, before I dive into the message, I want to put everyone in remembrance of something that you got when you walked into any of our campuses today, and that is a serve team card, and you just saw uh, our serve team videos. Uh, Serving is one of the values that we have here at Word of Life, and it's not just something that we ask you to do because, you know, we need help. (laughs) This is actually a spiritual formation process, um, and in order to make you a disciple of the Lord Jesus, serving is a big component of that. And I want to invite you to just read a scripture with me today. And they might not have it on the screens because I didn't know I was going to do it, but that's okay. You can open up your Bible or go to a Bible app no matter where you're at. And let's look here real quickly at John chapter 13. Um, In John chapter 13, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, but before he goes to the cross, he makes a decision to do something. Uh, He makes a decision to take off the shoes of his disciples' feet and begin to wash their feet as a servant. He gets to Peter, and Peter always speaks up, and he says, no, Lord, like, do not wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, I have no part with you. And that's so symbolic, just real quick. Jesus is saying, if you don't let me love you, then I can have no part with you. Uh, And Christianity is not just about us loving the Lord Jesus. It is about letting the Lord Jesus love us. And how many of you know, no matter who you are, Jesus loves you Let him love you. Let him be good to you. Let him be gracious to you. Let him serve you. And so Peter says, well, if that's the case, wash my whole body. And I love Jesus' point. He's like, I'm going to stick to the feet. Uh, And so out of that, after he washed their feet, he says the following in John chapter 13 and in verse number 12. So when he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said unto them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash, watch this, one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did. Truly, truly, I say unto you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Uh, I've been a pastor now for 20 years, and I am amazed at how church has changed. Um, Church has gotten a lot more professional, especially for our church. Um, The Lord has blessed us with size. We've got facilities now all over. Poindexter will open up on March 26th. We literally have four physical campuses. Yes, we can celebrate that. I like it. Celebration. Um, Yes, so it's amazing what God has done. And out of that, uh, the product gets more refined and it, it, by nature, and this is not a good thing, gets easier. 
because church now is different, even from my experience of pastoring the same church now for 20 years and being a part of this church for 39 years. Um, That's how old I am. I've been a part of this church ever since I was born. Um, It's very easy now to be a consumer and not a disciple. Um, That we come in and we consume free worship, free teaching and preaching, free coffee, uh, free childcare, free youth programs, and all of these things. And we consume it and it, it helps us. And it hits us at moments where we have other people serve us and we leave cleaner and we leave better. Um, But a disciple is not a consumer. A disciple is someone who doesn't just consume the ways of Jesus but begins modeling those ways, begins not just knowing of them but doing them. And honestly, um, I am alarmed at a lot of what I'm seeing in today's modern church where we're even making it easier for people to be consumers instead of disciples by even hiring for all the things we used to have people serving in. And and across the board, hiring for different things at each campus because we can't find people to serve in those areas, be it childcare or in other various places where it's harder to serve because you have to miss a service or come late, stay early, those types of things. And of course, we will never not give a great product because I believe church ought to be a great product for anybody who is coming and consuming it. Uh, But my concern is the quality of discipleship we are actually building in those who are coming. And I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to embrace the principles of serving. Uh, We, like never before, are larger as a church. Uh, Between our campuses now, we have more people worshiping with us physically than ever before, and our online campus is many times larger than it has ever been, like not just one or two times larger, many times larger. It's amazing what God has done for Word of Life, Uh, but out of that, our serve team numbers are about the same as they've always been, and our serve team rosters are kind of at that same level. And out of that, what it's led to is many people across every one of our campuses and across those departments are serving every week, Uh, where every week they are serving us so that we can come in and be served. Every week they are watching our children so that we can come in here, and I'm thankful for it. I I got a a 10-year-old. I am... I am thankful for it, uh, and, but not just like babysitting, investing into our children, teaching the gospel of Jesus on their level. It's an amazing thing. Um, I've had children in the nursery department, and most of these people genuinely every Sunday are serving, and it's not spiritually healthy for them. They need someone to not just serve the church, but to serve them and say, hey, let me take your place this Sunday so that you can come in. And the heart of Philippians 2 is that I actually esteem you as more important than myself. And in Philippians 2, it says, let this mind that was in Jesus also be in you, that you begin to esteem others' advancement in in Christianity and, and not just considering your own. And out of that, it, it doesn't just um, like provide them an opportunity that we get every week. It also provides us for a work to be done in our heart that takes our disciple, uh, discipleship deeper. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, because Jesus' point is, we know a lot, but it's not that what we know that blesses us, it is what we do. And I want to encourage you, like our churches literally would be radically healthier and, and radically better. And we know how to build big church. I'm not interested in big church. I'm interested in great church. And, and out of that, we would be drastically healthier and we would be much greater across all of our campuses if everybody served once a month. And I'm not talking serving every Sunday or even serving every service. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things about having multiple, camp- uh, multiple churches and campuses is that out of that, that as we have multiple services too, like I could work at a 10 and attend an 1130. Like out of that, it opens up. But at most of our campuses, the same people who are working 10 are working 1130. At Highland Colony, the same people who are working 830, they're working 10 and they're working 1130 every single week to provide what we are able to get. And I want to flip that on its head. And I would love for March to be a a month where we just flip that on its head and say, you know what? Jesus said the greatest among us is the servant of all. And I don't have to serve every time, but if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to serve sometime. Like there will be some time that I come in and esteem uh, someone else is even more important than myself. And so if you are interested, and we need everybody, I mean, from photographers at our campuses, musicians, singers, uh, you know, ch- children's workers, people who want to work in nursery, clean teams, security teams, usher teams, greeter teams, parking lot teams, like you, you talk about any of the needs, we need more backup in those areas. And so if you are interested at any of those areas, at any of our churches, you can go online or you can just check that card. Now this, you don't have to worry. If you sign, if you sign the card today and like check a box, it does not mean like you're serving next week. This just means you're interested in serving in that area and someone will follow up with you and tell you what that looks like and then you can make a decision from there. Amen? Amen, amen. Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that we humble ourselves under your mighty hand and we become, like you, a servant. And Father, we thank you that as we open up your word this morning, that it becomes a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That, Father, your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts about anything uh, and would speak to everyone exactly where they are. We love you, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This morning, let's look at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. We're starting a new series this month of March. uh, Talking about how all things are possible in God. How many of you know nothing is impossible to God? Oh, come on, church. Let me, let me hear you at Fondren, Highland Colony. All things are possible with God. There is not a mountain he cannot move. There is not a situation he cannot change. There is nothing our great God cannot do. All things are possible with him. And we have a God who asks us to believe that and to put our faith in his power. 
And what we want to do this month is to train you how to do that, encourage you to do that, like get you to enter into the press and believe to see the goodness of God. And I want to walk you through just a foundational doctrinal teaching the whole month of March on the subject of faith. So let's look at this. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then next to the Greek or the Gentile, that would be us. For in the righteousness of God is revealed, watch this, from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. The just will live by faith. That faith is designed to go from faith to faith. Now, what in the world does that mean? Um, This is talking about faith being a set of convictions and beliefs. What is faith? It's a set of convictions. Faith is a set of beliefs. You come to church, you hear teaching, you hear doctrine, you hear instruction, and now all of a sudden a set of systems and beliefs and convictions are being developed in your heart. Uh, And so whether it's forgiveness or serving, what we just said, it's like this is what we do. This is the way. From faith to faith means two things. It means that as I age, my faith is actually getting deeper. That as I walk with the Lord, that set of convictions, that set of beliefs, here's what I do with my money, here's what I do with my time, here's how I treat an enemy, Uh, here's how I encounter a giant and a mountain, this is what I do, is the basis of faith. It's a set of convictions, it's a set of beliefs, this is the way we govern our lives. And so in our family, when we see someone drifting, it's like, no, this is the way we govern our lives, we honor our bodies as being holy, like all these types of things that we know, your faith is a set of convictions and a set of beliefs that you live by. And the longer the just live by that set of convictions and beliefs, God designs those beliefs to go deeper, that we're bigger believers in these ways than ever before. But it doesn't just mean in my own heart, and I would ask you, how deep is your faith? Is your faith going deeper? But it is not just our faith going deeper in ourselves. From faith to faith means from generation to generation. Uh, Meaning that I realize that my life and me going deeper in my faith actually paves the way for my faith to be imparted to the next generation. And then if they live by that, that set of beliefs and that they live by that set of persuasions and convictions, that they will pass it to the next generation. We see an example of this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. They'll put this up on the screens for us. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. He's writing to Timothy. To Timothy, my beloved son. This is not his physical son, but his spiritual son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. Verse 4. And I am longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so I might be filled with joy. And here's what I want to get at. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. I'm mindful of the sincere faith that is within you, which first 
dwelt in your grandmother, then in your mother. And I am sure that it is in you as well. So he's saying at some point, Timothy, your grandmother made a decision to live by a certain set of convictions and beliefs in Jesus. This is the Jesus way. I'm a believer in Jesus, and I will do things the Jesus way. I will forgive like Jesus forgives. I will serve like Jesus serves. I will be confident like Jesus is confident. This is the Jesus way. This is the way I live my life. And he says it did something. Her faith not only went deeper in her, but her faith went from faith to faith. That her faith went into her daughter. That way of living life, that way of doing things, that set of systems, that set of beliefs went from generation to generation. And then he said, Timothy, that same faith now dwells in you. You have a set of beliefs. You have a set of convictions. You got them from your mom, and your mom got them from your grandmother. And he's saying, now I want you to have those things continue through you. And I want to encourage each and every one of us, like now more than ever, we need our faith deepening. We need to go from faith to faith. We need to live by our convictions. Uh, we, we are having now, more than any other time since I've been alive, some of you have been along, uh, longer than me, so you might be able to testify differently than this. But from what I see, like the Christian way, the Jesus way is running so counterculture to the world's way. Like it is a whole nother set of systems, a whole nother set of beliefs, a whole nother set of doctrines, a whole nother set of convictions, a whole nother way of doing life. And what we need is a new generation to say, I am not letting the beliefs of my grandmother and I am not letting the beliefs of my mom and dad not continue through me. Uh, that the just will live by their faith. I'm not going to live by popular opinion. I'm not going to live by all the sway I see on TV. I'm going to live by the way, not a way, the way. This is the way I will govern my life. I will be a Jesus follower. I will follow him. I will have him be my way. And we need a new generation, and it excites me. A lot of people, I hear them talk about this generation. I'm like, maybe you're seeing something different than what I see. But I see a new generation, like 30 and under, like there is a remnant of young people rising up all over the earth that says, you know what? Some of us learned a bad way. We aim to course correct. We aim to go an entirely different way where we're in love with Jesus. We want to know what he said, and we want to do life his way, and it excites me. It brings me life. But this is the the foundation of our faith, is I want to come and I want to learn the Jesus way, and I want to go out and I want to do it. And I want that faith to deepen as I age, and I want that faith to be passed down from generation to generation. Um, I see that in my own family. Uh, My grandmother today is 90 years old. Lexi Sims, 90 years old. We tried to get her to church, a whole nother story, (laughs) Uh, but out of that, 90 years old today, and she was uh, the patriarch of our family. She developed a set of beliefs, a set of convictions in Jesus, and she instilled those beliefs in my uncle and my father. 
my father instilled those beliefs in me, and I am doing my best to instill those beliefs in the next generation. But now her great-grandchildren are worshiping the Lord Jesus because of her decision to live by faith. The just will live by their convictions. The just will live by their beliefs. They'll not be pulled away by popular opinion. We will live by our faith. Like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everybody else can do what they want, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so faith, when it's often taught about, that's as far as it goes. Now, I'll say this, uh, man, we need that, and, and we need that message. Let's live by our faith, um, maybe like never before in my lifetime, of this is the Jesus way. If Jesus said it, that's what we do, because he is not a way, he is the way. Um, and so out of that, we need that, but what we're going to see from Scripture is faith is even more than that. And this is what so many people are unaware of. And if you can get this principle, I'm telling you, it will change your life forever. Faith, it is a set of beliefs. It's a set of convictions that we live by. But faith is also something else. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. Now, (laughs) this is amazing. All of us have at times in our life, hopefully even right now, have a hope. Um, scripture instructs us that God has plans to prosper us. That means for us to see progress, meaning we are here. Prosper is not a physical financial term in scripture. It's a life term. It's you're here, but now because of God, you're here. Uh, Prosperity in scripture means to see progress. Um, And so out of this, beloved, I desire for you to see progress and to give you a hope and a future. And oftentimes, when our heart is healthy, all the time, but our heart is not always healthy, is it? Here's one of the ways you can tell if it is. It'll have a hope in it. It's like you may see this with your natural eye, but you have a hope God can fix that. God can change that. You may be walking around something out here that's discouraging. You maybe see something in your kids that it's like, man, that needs to get better. But on the inside, you have a hope, a desire, a dream. It will be. It will be. And so we push and we press to make those things happen. Because there is no achievement without belief. None. I don't care how talent you are, how gifted you are, how much you know. I don't care what your IQ is. There is no achievement without belief. Wherever there is achievement, there is belief behind that achievement. So hope enters into our heart, and we begin to see, okay, I know I'm seeing this in the natural, but it can get better. 
a hope and a future. It's like the future will be better than the present, a hope. Faith comes in and creates substance to the things that are hoped for. That literally there is an invisible force called faith that can create the physical substance to the things that you hope for. Uh, That the things that you hold in your heart and hope, a prayer, a desire, a wish to see something in life different. Faith is a tool God has given you that can create the unseen into the seen. That what you hold in your heart, now you hold in your hand. That it is not just a promise that you're, you're desiring God to do in your life. Uh, it is a moment where you see the faithfulness of God of actually doing it in your life. And faith is the tool God has given us to take the unseen hope of your heart and turn it into the seen thing of your eye. Faith creates substance to the things that are hoped for. Now, all throughout the New Testament, you see this. Even in the New Testament, it points to the Old Testament of people who got in faith and created substance to the things that they hoped for. One of my favorite examples is found in Luke 8. Let's go over and look at it. Uh, Luke chapter 8. There is a a woman who is a fighter. Uh, And I like people who just fight. Uh, who just come and say, you know what, I'm not going to function and dysfunction. Like, I'm not going to put up with something I know that's not right. I'm going to pursue with everything that I've got to just make my future better than the pain of my present right now. And this woman, she had something come up in her body uh, that limited her. Uh, She had a blood condition. And based off this blood condition and its type, they said, you cannot leave your house. And she's in this place where she's confined. And I I like this woman because a lot of people, when they hear this, you know what they do? They feel sorry for themselves. And they start looking at their lives. And it's like, man, if I had that, and if I had their life, and if I had their health, and if I had their car, and if I had their ability, and if I had their job, you know what I would do if I had their... And they just feel sorry for themselves. And it never changes, and they function and dysfunction. But there is no achievement without belief. There is no progress without someone believing something can change. And this woman, I love her attitude. She was a fighter. She's like, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and function and dysfunction. And she begins to spend all her money to fix this problem. She's like, I'm not going to live with this. I'm not going to put up with this. What does she have? She has hope. There's a hope in her heart that this is not my future. Like, I am not going to be here forever. This will change. But she doesn't know of Jesus, and she doesn't know of God, so she's just fighting with all the natural things that she has. And you know what? It's amazing what people can do with just that natural spirit of a fighter, of, you know, from, from putting a, a man in an airplane and flying all over the world or, or you know, going to space, just like that, that human belief and fight for achievement. There is no achievement without that. And so she has that, and in the natural, she's seeing every doctor. She's spending all the money she has. But her issue is, is she's getting nothing better. Instead, she's growing worse, and for 12 years, she has fought and seen no progress. But one day, her life changes because the Bible says she hears of Jesus. She hears of his miraculous power. 
She hears of his great grace being demonstrated, and something came in her that was not there before. And you know what it was? Faith in Jesus. Not faith in herself. It's amazing what people can do with faith in themselves. Faith in an idea. Faith in a product. Faith in a a politician. Like it's amazing what can happen when we put faith in something. But she saw, I'm not just limited to faith in my money or faith in a physician or faith in this medicine. That I can have faith in Jesus And she does something amazing, and watch what that is here in Luke chapter 8, and let's look in verse number 43. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had, been, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said unto her, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you whole. What does faith do? Faith, amen. Yeah, we can celebrate that. Her faith made her whole. Faith is not just a set of convictions, a set of beliefs, a set of persuasions that we live by. Faith is is also the tool God has given us to create substance to the things that we hope for. And this woman had a hope and a dream that I do not have to live sick for the rest of my life. And she fought tooth and nail with everything she had in the natural, but was nothing better but rather grew worse. But when she heard of Jesus, faith came in her heart that I don't have to put up with this any longer. There is something that is bigger than me. There is something that is greater than me. There is something with whom all things are possible. And she went on a journey to touch that. Now, when she lays hold of him with this hand of faith, Jesus says, I feel something went out of me. And, and he's like, somebody touched me. And Peter, because you'll see, Peter's always the one who speaks up, steps out like extrovert. Like he's always the one who's there. He says, master, master, everybody is touching you. Now think about this in concerning to the world right now. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. And you got a whole bunch of people reaching out to touch God. They know they need him. All these people in this story, you know why they're thronging Jesus? Because they heard of his power, they heard of his miracles, and they want a change in their life. But it's with a natural touch they are touching him with. And here's something you're going to see as we study this series. God is not moved by need. It would would seem like it would be easier if he was. 
that God just saw the need and God came and met the need. But he already did that. Somebody says, well, what do you mean? He already did that in Jesus. God saw the need and he met the need. And now through Jesus, all of his promises are yes and amen. But now from us, even with receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, his grace has made it available. But we must believe with our heart and say with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And our faith taps into that grace and saves our soul. And what Jesus is saying here in this story is there's a lot of people who will press into God wanting change in their life, wanting change in their body. But it is not just the natural press that releases his power. It is the touch of someone who is a possessor of faith. And he looked at this woman, and I love what he said. He did not say, my power made you whole. My power, you know what, I'm Jesus, I'm awesome, I'm amazing, and I just decided to bless you today. Uh, and you can come to my next meeting. We'll meet, you know, tonight at 6. And for those of you who want to come, maybe it'll happen for you. Like, it wasn't my power made you whole. It wasn't like I'm doing something in my life that, that is, is coming your way. It is your faith made a decision to reach out and lay hold of my power. And her faith created substance to the desire she had in her heart. And I'm telling you today, no matter who you are, what campus you're at, where you're listening to this in the world, that you have a God who wants to see, who wants you to see his power in demonstration. That your belief in God does not just stand in what you know, but it stands in what you have seen with your own eyes, what you have handled with your own hands, that you have seen a God of the impossible. Um. What you're in, no matter what campus you're at, no matter what you're in, faith created substance to the physical things that you see. This, this Lakeland, what, what y'all are watching from, and we could say the same about the other campuses, was a, a hope and a prayer. It was a dream. It was funny, the other week, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a conference, and I met up with a minister at a coffee shop. And I get there. I got there early because I, I, I needed caffeine. I thought caffeine would help the meeting go better. And so I sat down. I'm trying to get you know the caffeine in my system. I'm just sitting there, and behind me I hear two guys talking. It's two young guys in their early twenties, and they start talking about revival. They had been watching what's going on at Asbury. Thank God for that. I mean, I, I pray it just spreads all over our nation, all over our world. But they were talking about that, and they're like, yeah, we're going to see revival here and here, and like we're going to go to Tucson, and one's going to start like this work, talking about like this work they're going to start in Tucson, Arizona, and the other one's like, I'm going to Israel, and like going to be a missionary there, and like to the Jews first, like these young 20-year-olds are like having this conversation, like filled with hope, filled with a dream. And I'm listening to all this. They have no idea I'm a pastor or those types of things. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord come on me. And anytime the power of the Lord is there, find out what it's there for. Mine it. 
And so I, I knew, okay, I'm supposed to say something. So I turned around, and as soon as I did, the Lord opened up my mouth. And I began to, to tell them, I can remember being exactly where they were. A young man with a dream in my heart of what God could do through my life. But I told him this, and I'll tell you this. One of the things that faith does is it relinquishes control. Faith will never control God. God has no master. And so many times people get discouraged in their faith because they try to control when, how, where. And they have faith failures because they've set up an event uh, or more faith in a timetable and an idea than a God. And faith, it, it'll make like all-encompassing statements. It's like Abraham, the, 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 they're building an altar and Isaac's like, I see the wood, I see the fire, where's the sacrifice? Abraham knows, it's you, it's you, Isaac, it is you. But you know what he says? My God himself will provide. And the temptation there would be like, how, when, where, let me slow down, any of these types of things. But he knew. I have faith in the goodness of God, and I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I don't care. I know God himself will provide. Sounds a lot like the Apostle Paul. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. It it makes these broad statements, and I told him, I said, look, I am now 20 years older than when I was where you are right now. And every promise God made me, I have seen him be faithful to it, and it is now in my life. But I said, I'm going to tell you right now, some of those things did not go the way I wanted them to go. Some of those things took longer. Some of those things were more frustrating. Some of those things I almost gave up on. Some of those things I almost quit on. Some of those things I almost walked away from. Some of those things I got discouraged in. Some of those things I cast away my confidence But I said, at some point, I made a decision to say, you know what? I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what it looks like. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider. I'm stepping out of the boat. And I'm going to believe to see the goodness of God in my life. And I'll walk on land that has nothing but a parking lot on it and call those things that be not as though they are. And I'll not complain about how it's not there. I'll call it until it is there. I'll believe to see his goodness. I'll believe to see his grace. And I told him, I said, if you will maintain your confidence in God, you will see faith create substance to the things that you hope for. And I don't care how impossible it looks or how far it is away, faith can create substance to the things you hope for. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on his promise because faith creates substance. My sister had a desire to see children. They told her she would never see them. Never, they said. You will never see them. Doesn't matter what we do. Never. She had that desire in her heart to have children. When me and my wife got married six months later, my wife was pregnant. I remember like telling my sister and her being happy and excited, but also the pain 
of watching everybody else in your life have the desire that you have in your heart. And she's hearing all these news and she's hearing the negative report. But instead of having those words written on her heart, she pulled out the promises of God. She found herself in scripture. She didn't find herself in a doctor's report. She didn't find herself in what somebody said. She found herself in what God said about her. And she made a decision to believe God. She's got three baby boys today. Like, I say baby, but they're big now. Like, Faith created substance to the things that she hoped for. They told me my son, Boston, in the cafe working now, they told he'd never be able to play sports. Never, they said. That out of this, he had such a bad case of asthma that he would never be able to do what every other child does. And I can remember holding that boy in my arms, giving him nebulizer treatments, having all these things go through his system. And the whole time, I'm, I'm, I see this with my eyes, I'm hoping against hope. The hope in my heart is different from what a doctor has told me, different from what this looks like. I have hope against hope. Hope against hope. And we begin to call those things that be not as though they were. He will not live on this for the rest of his life. I know it looks this way now, but God is greater than this. And even though it looks like I got an enemy all around me like Jehoshaphat, I will send the praisers out anyway, knowing God is greater. I'll praise before the miracle. Praise before I see it. Shout while the walls are still up. I'm not limited by what I have. I'm not limited by the medicine. I thank God for the medicine. I thank God for what people can do. I thank God for the resources, but I am not limited in the natural. I have a God who can go above the natural. A God who can move mountains. A God with whom all things are possible. And yesterday, I took that boy out, and I'm like, we've been lifting. I'm like, okay, let's go. And I've done this almost every year because he's playing defensive end, so I'm the offensive lineman. And every year, I, like, I'll, I'll be able to push him. He whooped me. Yeah, I mean, whooped me. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Stop, 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 stop. I'm like, no, you're going too fast. Uh, slow down. Let's learn technique. But really, it's because my pride. Uh, but, but all of these things. God healed him, completely turned it around, no issues in those areas. And there's other things that I'm believing God for. And some of those things happen faster than I ever could have imagined. Our campuses happen faster than I ever could have imagined. But some of those things took a lot longer than I ever wanted them to take. Some of those things that broke my heart, not seeing it happen fast enough. Some of those things I laid down, some of those things I gave up on. But I'm telling you, friends, that if you step out of the boat, even if you fell and you sink, Jesus will pick you up and take you back. And do you know what Jesus said to the disciples who didn't get out of the boat? Do you know what he said to them? Nothing. And if you want a deep relationship with God, you got to make up your mind. I don't care what it looks like. I got a word from God. I'm stepping out on that word. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care about the wind. I don't care about the waves. I don't care if nobody else does. I'm going to believe God spoke to me. And I'm stepping 
on that. And somebody says, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it doesn't work? I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider every single day of the week. You know what faith is? Faith is acting like you actually have a God. Faith is acting like in the middle of the night when you want to give up and quit and cry and feel sorry for yourself to trust in a God who changes not. I will see his goodness in the land of the living. I will watch him do what only he can do. Faith acts like it has a God who loves you. It does not act like an orphan. It does not act like a victim. It doesn't throw a pity party. It picks itself up and it hopes in God. And I'm telling you, you get there where you enter into the press and you make a decision to reach out and touch his goodness, touch his grace, you will see faith creates substance to the things that you hope for. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you today. We honor you. And we thank you in the name of Jesus that our faith is kicking out to a whole new level in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you today as we celebrate and as we rejoice. Father, we do what Jehoshaphat did. We send the praisers out. And we thank you, Lord, that right now you are fighting battles for us and you are doing what only you can do. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. At all of our campuses, let's worship the Lord today.